the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by HSI. This episode was recorded January 11th, 2024. My name is Jill James, HSI's Chief Safety Officer, and today my guest is Elizabeth Johnson. Elizabeth is Senior Director of EHS at Mitsubishi Power Americas, and Elizabeth is joining us today from her office in Florida. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. Yeah, you've been a you've been a longtime listener. It sounds like to the podcast. Um, I I have it's it's one of my favorite ones, especially one that I'm listening to in the car or or really on my hard days. I, I really like to kind of circle back and and remember why I'm in this field from such exceptional guests that you have. Hmm. Thank you, and thank you on behalf of all of the guests, which now includes you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So what is your origin story? How did you accidentally find your way into this? Um, well, I, I think like multiple people on, on your show, um, I didn't start off obviously going, I want to grow up and be a safety professional. Mm-hmm. Um, actually being a safety professional was so f- just not in my radar growing up. So I actually really from Mississippi and, um, you know, went to college and, kind of stumbled around college for a little bit, kind of going, I don't really know what I wanted to do. And then 9-11 occurred and I'm, you know, in my early twenties at this point. And I just said, you know what, I, I really think that, um, you know, I need to, to do more. Um, and at that time, um, you know, you're, you're young and dumb, but I was, I was smart enough to know that I probably should get my act together just, just a little bit. And so I actually joined the United States army, uh, hmm. and it's been about five years, um, in the army intelligence world. So if anybody's out wow. there, part of the 18th airborne Corps, you know, hello brothers and sisters. Um, and then, then there met my husband. Um, you know, we, we kind of started our family, uh, together and then his career moved us, you know, kind of around and we ended up in, in Tennessee. And, and when we were in Tennessee, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to finish that bachelor's degree. And for anybody who's, past 25, um, especially late twenties, early thirties, going back to school, especially for your undergraduate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) It's a challenge in itself, Mm -hmm. but, um, graduated from Tennessee tech with a a geoscience degree. And everybody thinks that sounds really fancy. It's, it's Google maps and steroids for the most parts, mapping layers. And why Um, did you pick that? Well, this was really close to what I was doing in the military. Ah. Um, so as part of military intelligence, um, I did a lot of radar and imagery analysts. Okay. So I thought, you know, I was like, well, I will, I'll go do that, get a degree in that because then I can open up career doors and I'll, I'll go be a, you know, I'll go work for the CIA. I'll be something fun, you know, something cool. Yeah. Um, did not happen. <laughs> so I, I always wanted to do that too. Yeah, well, it, it sounds, I mean. It sounds really cool, right? Yeah, I don't know if y'all remember, like, the, the show 24, but I'm like, yes, let's do our X-Files. That's, okay, just do Yeah, this. yeah. But, like, uh-huh. X-Files, let's, let's go be secret squirrels. Uh-huh. Um, so, not reality. Um, but um, that's, you know, I, that's really, I wanted to, wanted to give back, um, you know, and, and be a part of that. And, and I really loved it. And so, in that transition period of graduating college, you know, uh, later in life, having this big dream of being some sort of like super cool government agent, secret squirrel and having that very quickly fizzle Um, because just from Chattanooga, Tennessee options are slim. Um, And so look at some other jobs and there was a job posting for this safety specialist with department of labor and they needed somebody that kind of had earth science and and understand um, 
you know, some of that aspects and geoscience is an earth science degree. So, um, I took, I took earth science. I learned about dirt, you know, and, and the plate tectonics and the plate tectonics and (laughs) soft dirt and hard dirt. And, Mm -hmm. um, so if you ever in that, um, smoky mountain region of, of Tennessee and North Georgia, um, dirt's important because they have, you know, slides and things. And so they wanted a specialist that understood that for trenching purposes. Yeah. And I very distinctly remember sitting in the parking lot of the building, waiting for my first interview and, um, looking at notes again, dating myself because it wasn't smartphone. Um, but looking at notes of what this was department of labor and this thing called OSHA. And I'm like, what is this? Um, so somehow I don't know how it was so entry level. Um, but somehow I, I, I got a second interview, ended up getting the position, which was, um, just fantastic. But, um, anyway, I, uh, got into OSHA and those first couple of years in there was still trying to figure out how to spell OSHA, much less what it was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Didn't you um, know, Elizabeth, it's a small and- town in Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. Um, God, that's actually, I have a sticker with that on my Do home you? office. <laughs> um, it cracks me up every single time. But one of the things that led me to success, um, you know, in the beginning was I was able to bring my, my military root cause analysis and investigation skills over, which, you know, the reward with that, that was, is that I, as I grew as an individual, as a, um, EHS person with on the compliance side of things, um, I was able to give, get, um, tougher and more kind of high profile cases. Mm-hmm. Um, the negative side of that is that those tougher and high profile cases were amputations, hospitalizations, and yeah. fatalities. Yeah. Um, and so I really spent like that last bit of my, um, timeframe with OSHA, you know, investigating those learned so much and, yeah. um, you know, it's funny because my, my manager at the time, and, and I will, you know, please, please put this on air because it's coming from a, a longtime OSHA compliance officer and people don't ever believe me when I say this. He told me something that has stuck with me my entire career. And it's been, you have to walk into every situation knowing that you are not the subject matter expert, <laughs> but it is your job to understand and to see the big picture of mm-hmm. everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And that that has been the foundation of my entire career right there. Mm-hmm. I um, similarly called my very first boss with OSHA now almost 30 years ago. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago. And I found him, you know, he's long retired. And I said, I'm calling to thank you for some things that you taught me back then. You know, similar, similar to what you're doing. His, his things were, um, his things were maybe not as profound as what, what you just said, though in their simplicity, they were, mm-hmm. you know, his, his words to me were one, never park the state car in front of a bar. <laughs> Fantastic advice. Which was fantastic advice to understand as a 20-some-year-old kid with a badge, like Mm -hmm. taxpayers care about these things. And it really mattered when I showed up in these tiny towns and I needed to use a bathroom before I set out into a company to inspect them. Like, don't park in front of the bar. I parked in front of the, you know, the fire department and walked to a bar to use a public bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, But his his big thing was um, always tell the truth. 
Mm-hmm. Never lie. Don't ever make up anything in your documentation. If you didn't take the notes on something, if you didn't take the photograph, don't try to remember. Don't guess at what it was. Just always be honest and tell the truth. I, I think you and I might have had the same boss. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, mine, uh, I, I still keep up with him periodically. And even now um, in my career, you know, I'll be working with, with my team or, or on something that's going on. And I'll, I'll get down one of those tunnels kind of rabbit holes and I'll have that, you know, that self-check moment and I'll sit there and I'll go, you know what, this is not what I was taught, yeah. you know, and, you know, I need to take a step back and, and really, am I approaching this with the right mindset? Yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, again, that is, you know, being here to be a supporter, a helper and an advisor, you know, yeah. not a, not a dictator, you know, yeah, not a, that's right. Uh, you know, not a stop gate. So, um, yeah, you gotta love those just mold you through the whole, your whole life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It did. Yeah. For me too. I wanted to ask when you, when you were with OSHA and you happened to know a lot about soils in the earth and you mentioned trenching and excavating and all the accidents and things that you investigated, did you end up being that sort of an expert uh, within the division you worked for or did it expand out from that? Um, so I, in my entire career with OSHA, I think I did one trench. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we need this person. Um, and then what we was like work imagine versus work reality. Yeah. Uh, we ended up actually, you know, the time frame just didn't have a lot of trenching. Yeah, I um, didn't either. And isn't that funny because <laughs> it's been a special emphasis program with federal OSHA for as long as I can remember. Um, but I did a lot of inspections, but never a collapse. And I did a lot of fatality investigations too. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't do I, I didn't do what got my foot in the door as much as I thought I would. But yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, you know, I kind of became one of the, the there was a couple of us in the office and, and, you know, there was a lot of fatalities and incidents there at the end that depending on what it was, it was, um, you know, kind of more my alley. I definitely did more of the um, manufacturing or, or general business. And I had a counterpart that did a lot more of the construction side of things. Yeah. But, we would get that phone call and, you know, yeah. who knows where we would end up. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So when did you, uh, I'm sorry if we need to, when did you do your, your master's degree? Um, so my master's degree, I, so I was with OSHA for a while. And then yeah. my, my husband who actually just retired from the military, um, he got stationed in Savannah, Georgia. And then from there, I was working with a couple of different companies and decided, you know what, um, Georgia Tech had just offered a new master's degree program in occupational health and safety. Yeah. Um, and I had this brainiac idea that I could work full time and oh. be a full time master student oh. at Georgia Tech oh. and raise a child oh. and switch jobs. <laughs> and renovate uh -huh. a house uh -huh. all at the same time. I've had a point like that in um, my life as well. Mm -hmm. so, How'd that go for you? <laughs> I just know that I don't know what I was, you know, drinking at the time, but yeah. whatever it was, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I survived. I think, I really do think that I, I have a, a wonderful 
piece of paper that hangs on the wall that says, I have a master's degree from Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, but I really do think the t-shirt that says I survived fits better. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> um, sure. it, at week one, it was a hybrid program. So we weren't on campus 24 seven and just because where I was living in Savannah versus where Georgia Tech is in Atlanta just wouldn't have been possible. So that was really good. It was hybrid. Yeah. But week one, they pulled all the students in there and I'm sitting at a round table and there's de and department heads of like major corporations that are sitting in there that have got decades of experience on me at this particular time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here going, what have I done? Um, and then the instructor comes in and he, you know, gives us a half hour lesson and he talks about some things. He goes, okay, well, the paper is going to be due on Friday and it's going to be a quarter of your grade. Ooh. And I'm going, I'm, I'm sorry. I I'm still getting used to college. You know, uh -huh. like I, I don't, I'm not even sure where I parked my car and I'm what? You know, and so that was when I was going, Oh dear Lord. You know, what have I done? Um, but ultimately it was, um, there was a paper, it was a significant portion of our grade, but it wasn't the whole portion of our grade. And there was lots of resources and support along the way. Um, but it was just that, that Georgia tech standard that was established at the beginning mm -hmm. and, um, really one of the best decisions I've ever made, um, in my career is going back and getting that master's degree. Um, tech and was phenomenal for me. So I, I recommend it. Yeah. And you had, you had worked with OSHA for how long before you started grad school? So I was, I had worked for OSHA a little bit over two years. Yeah. Um, and then my husband got stationed in, in Georgia. So Tennessee is a state plan state. Georgia yeah. is a fed. So couldn't, yeah. couldn't transition over. Um, and so when I started working again in Georgia, um, I actually worked for a beer distribution company. Okay. Um, and you want to talk about, you know, whiplash of culture change. Mm -hmm. Um, learned a lot, um, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with the beer company. Um, and so, but it was, I was working for that company for about a year when I started um, my master's degree program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this was, gosh, what year is it? 20, it's now 2024. So this was about eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, going from public, I mean, I'm sorry, government employment and well, let's face it, you had worked for the government, for the army mm -hmm. and then for the state, and then you went into private sector Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a shock to the system. Well, I, I did the same. I did the same thing. Not I didn't have the military piece, though. I worked as a civilian on a on a on a base for a while. Um, what was the thing that was the most shocking to you going from government to private? Um, <laughs> oh, well, I, well, first of all, I'll, I'll say this. If anybody is good, especially from an EHS standpoint. Um, going from rigid government experience for about 10 years and then going into the private sector, choosing a beer company, um, to go into is adds another layer of, of the shock. So I'm going to just go ahead and lay that there. Uh -huh. Um, but I, I will say, I think the biggest thing for me, especially at the time was the lack of understanding of regulations and what regulations means. Ah, because mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, you know, especially with the military, there's you, you rules. You, there are rules. You don't really question them. You just, you know, you know your boundaries. You know yeah. how you can operate. Um, 
OSHA was very much the same way. There was, you know, it's not a hundred percent black and white. There's definitely some gray um, in there, but it's, it's a rule book, you know? And so either you, you follow the rules or you, you kind of don't. And I say that with a big asterisk next to that, but um, you know, there's, there's that standard. And so kind of going into that public stand to the, um, sorry, the private industry, um, especially with a beer company, especially with a sales team that are 21 to 25 years old mm -hmm. um and there's commercials with knights and swords um and, mm -hmm. and phrases um that are now ingrained in my head mm -hmm. um but uh you know there's a lot of you know are you sure we have to do that and, and it was just kind of that shock of having to uh -huh. sell uh -huh. safety uh-huh and um you know and and going behind people and it was you know, that was the biggest one. Like he knew it was going to be a challenge, but that transition of having listened to so many EHS professionals on the compliance side and them going, we're, we're doing our due diligence. We're, we're doing our best. And I'm going, yeah, okay. You know, blah, blah. And then being there going, oh gosh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like uh -huh. I get it. And uh -huh. um, uh -huh. so there's probably a couple of people that I need to write apology letters for, but um, just know that I'm sorry. If my name rings a bell, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> I had the I had I had a similar similar experience you know s similar thing you know every time I did would leave a company that I had inspected you know I'd get in my car and I'd be like thank the car that wasn't parked in front of the bar yeah um, I was so happy that I wasn't the one that was gonna have to carry out all that stuff I'm mm -hmm. like this job is so hard you know and then I became the person that had to carry out all of the stuff and oh right no one will listen to you it doesn't matter how much you cite the the gospel of OSHA mm -hmm. it doesn't matter you've yeah. got to have some skills on selling <laughs> and yeah. brev and brevity <laughs> and 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 yeah um absolutely and and the just deep breathing techniques i think that's the other key <laughs> oh is that is that why in my in my spare time i teach a breath and meditation class <laughs> oh, probably it's probably subconscious <laughs> oh, I, i'm so happy we're figuring out everything elizabeth <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the things it's a new year elizabeth's yeah. the first guest of 2024 and we're getting it all figured out oh i'm sorry let's bring this back to <laughs> let's bring this back to your you're in the you're in the private sector first time you're in grad school what else is going on oh i mean there's a lot of stuff going on in, you know my personal life you know kids dogs all of that sort of stuff just the yeah. typical you know things you are that um you know and then during all of that i got an opportunity i got a phone call from somebody and um saying hey uh savannah has a major aircraft manufacturer um, there, um, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine, um, who's also in the safety world that says, Hey, they have an opening that I think you'd be, be really, really good at. And it's got, um, you know, a career path. And, uh, he knew at the time that even though I had a great job with, with the, uh, the beer company, you know, I didn't really necessarily have a career path or, or some other things that I was really kind of looking for, for longevity. And he's like, you know, throw your name in the hat because these opportunities with this organization doesn't come up often. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, sure, why not? I'll throw my name in a hat. Um, long story long, I guess, at this point. Um, I ended up getting the role of this this aircraft manufacturer, um, which was huge. And so it was really kind of my first time, you know, in in manufacturing. Yeah. Things are going fantastic. I'm enjoying things. Life is great. And then COVID hit. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
COVID, uh, you know, did wonderful things for the EHS field looking back at everything that happened over those, especially first two years, really kind of the first three. Um, but for my career at that time, you know, there was, you know, companies were shutting down, you know, people were sending shifts home. You can't manufacture an aircraft from your garage. So there was a lot of challenges and things of that nature. And even though my job was 100% secure, um, I was losing some of my resources. Plus I was also becoming like the HR point of contact, you know, the uh, security point of contact, because I was one of the few essentials that were, uh, was allowed to, to come in and, um, made it a tough decision mid COVID, um, you know, the fall of COVID. So the fall of 2020, um, to transition and, and take an opportunity with Mitsubishi Power Americas at their manufacturing site that was also located in Savannah. Hmm. Um, it, it was interesting to transition roles in during, a pandemic during the pandemic, yeah. you know, so, you know, you're meeting everybody virtually and, you know, you're not really sure what's going on and, and, and everything, but it ended up being, um, just again, a fantastic decision. I've been with Mitsubishi Power America since then and have loved every single minute um, of it. And it's just a great organization for me. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth, um, when you mentioned that COVID was good for the EHS profession, if anyone listening is like, I agree with that, I disagree with that, or I wonder what the heck she's talking about. <laughs> what, what did, yeah. What did you think is, is good? So um, I think at the time when everybody was, you know, waist deep and trying to figure out what was going on, um, the individual stress I think we all had during that was, was not great. However, looking back, um, we've never experienced that before um, in, in our EHS kind of culture, especially the last, you know, 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. um, something that significant. And all of a sudden, EH, for those of us who are trying to get into meetings and get into conversations and getting to planning and getting into leadership, you know, decision makings, um, those doors were just thrown wide open yeah. for, for most of us. And all of a sudden we're, we're not only essential worker, we're also essential to the business. Yeah. Um, and while we were always vital, we were always key to be a part of co component to any business. It, it, it bumped us up. Um, mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. And this is very broad, of course, you know, talking about us as culture, but just talking to a lot of my peers, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're now part of five-year strategy plans. We're, yeah. we're now part of operational meetings. We're, we're part of sales meetings now. Yeah. Got um, a seat at the table in a, in a, for many, many, many of us got a seat at a table that we've never had before. Absolutely. I mean, and, the, and it ripples effects, you know, because I mean, I think a lot of us saw, um, you know, better opportunities, which led to, you know, a whole slew of, you know, either leadership promotions or career paths or financial gains and, and things of that nature. We've, we've kind of seen the ripple effect of that um, as, as a broad, not everybody. Unfortunately, there's a lot of challenges and layoffs and things throughout that entire time frame. But as a, as a field, mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I really do think it, it improved us and, and put us in a place that we weren't before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I agree. I've, I've spoken with, with uh, many of our cohorts who feel the same, who feel the same and like, you know, that we can't slide back into what was either, you know, it's uh, like we elbowed our way in, we're at the table. Gosh, we're staying here. 
Oh, absolutely. Do yeah. not give up that seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing yeah. I can say is don't, yeah. don't give up that seat. Yeah. Elizabeth, what made you fall in love with this career? Um, there's, gosh, there's so, there's so many things. Um, my, my core, you know, things that, that bring me joy, um, is, is service, you know, um, I think it's kind of funny. We talk to people who take like that love language, like what's yes. your love language and mine's are, mine's acts of service, mm. um, which ironically also plays directly into my career, um, uh, because I love helping people. Um, I really, really honestly do. And the thing, and maybe it's because growing up, um, in Mississippi, which is, um, it's a challenging different place to grow up than, than some of our, um, other places across the, the country. But, um, you know, always trying to help out that person that's doing everything that they can to provide for themselves and their family. Mm -hmm. Um, they shouldn't have to really sacrifice their safety for that. That's right. And, and that's always been, been that motivation factor for me is, you know, not, not the newest, not the most longevity, but every single person that's in our, in our team, in our community, there's nothing that we do as an organization that should trump their personal health and safety. Right. Um, and so being able to continually remind people of that, and then also be a part of the team that improves the, the quality of their work life. Um, that just brings me joy. It just makes me happy, you know, to, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just a, you know, free donuts in the break room. Great. Well, it's, we can do donuts, you know, or it's yeah. maybe it's, you know, shoes that don't quite fit and talking to somebody saying, Hey, well, why don't you try this other brand and they get the right PPE that fits and it feels good. I mean, yeah. those little things just game just, changers. Yeah. yeah. They, for me, they're, they're, there's the little things are the big impacts for me. Yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. You know, when you think about where you're at in your career now, um, yeah, what is what is the what is what's on the horizon for you now? What are you thinking about looking looking at your career and and uh, from its vantage point today? Um, well, I <laughs> I try not to think about where I am um, a whole bunch, just because one, I don't want to admit how old I'm getting. Um, that. <laughs> that hurts a little. Um, the, the gray hairs are strong. Um, uh, but the two, I just, it, you know, I, sometimes I just, I have to pinch myself going, you know what, I'm, I'm ahead of a, of EHS for yeah. a, a major corporation. And it's, you know, it, it's kind of, it doesn't always sink in. Um, and so, cause I, I just still feel like I'm, I'm a field EHS person and I want to be with the team and, and out there. So that's part of it. But really, as I transition into this kind of second chapter of my, of my life and of my career, when 401ks and retirement plans are really starting to become more of a weekly conversation, mm -hmm. um, and not something that my parents did. First of all, what am I doing getting old? This is just dumb. Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> Really, it's now looking at the next generation of EHS professionals. Um, you know, I really hope that COVID was the big thing for, from, you know, between 9-11 and COVID, it's really been the two major events for my career. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that that's, that's it. <laughs> I don't, we don't need to trump either one of those. Yep. Um, so it's really now looking at, at the next generation and we have, 
we have some fantastic coordinators on our team here and they, they started their EHS career in COVID, which is mind boggling to me. Like that is just, you know, it's like they, you know, they had the internet in their hands when they were born. I know life before the internet, so they don't know EHS life before COVID. And so um, looking at them and investing Hmm. in them and their Hmm. professional development, because they're going to, they're going to conquer something else and giving back to them and making sure that they have the tools in their toolbox to be successful is is really, um, is really what I'm passionate about. Um, And not just for our teams, but really for our, our field you know, is, is setting up this next generation of EHS professionals. Yeah. And, and when you, when you're, when you're meeting, I mean, it sounds to me, Elizabeth, that you're doing uh, mentoring. Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are the things that, that you think are important for, for this next generation that's coming after us and is starting right now? What do you, what are the things that, that you're sharing with them that you feel are important for them to know and develop. Yeah, I think, well, one, obviously the education piece, like you, the, the days of, you know, being the person who, you know, was a worker that got injured and they had a really good story and then they became the safety person. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I teach our sales team about that all the time. I'm like, sometimes you're going to have someone who's, whose background in education has a PhD and sometimes they're going to be the injured person archetype. And they look at me and go, what? I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. That's a and, thing. Mm-hmm. and not that that's not a great way to get into our yes. field, but yes, that's absolutely um, true. Yes. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as they get the technical expertise along yes. the way, it's, um, but I really, so the education part is very, very close to my heart and I, I could probably get on the soapbox about it. Yeah. Do that. Do that because you know what, the, the, the other person who will get on the soapbox with you is a guest that everyone's heard a few times, Dr. Todd Lusheen. So yes, Elizabeth, go for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I really do feel that, um, you know, from a field standpoint, you know, you know, OSHA was created in 1970. So we're really just about 50 years old as a field. And that's very, very young when you compare us to, to doctors or engineers who've, yeah. you know, been around for, for centuries, you know, their education path to support them in their field. And so I really would love to see, um, you know, EHS, occupational health and safety, safety engineering, um, things of that nature that deal with occupational become much more of a career path opportunity for the new generations. I have a high schooler, you go to career day with her. And if I'm not there, there's not another person that's advocating for occupational health and safety to be a norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really would love to see that kind of on the big scale. And I really would love to see our universities and college take advantage of that seat that we earned at the table mm-hmm. um, during COVID and develop that career path for people to to come into our field. Because as we continue to grow um, as a as a you know as a country, you know we have to have these. Um, these fields and they have to be educated because we're just not, yeah. you know, you yeah. can say, you know, a lot of things, but you really need the, that technical expertise as well. But um, kind of going yeah. back to your original question about some of the other stuff that looking at and mentoring, I'm really working with my, my rookies and really the, the whole team. Um, Cause it goes back to that seat at the table, you know, bit that we talked about is you can be as 
technically educated in EHS as you can possibly be. You can go to every single training, every single class. You can have your whole OSHA deck of certifications, you know, all of that. But if you don't have soft skills um, for communication, mm-hmm. or soft skills for um, being a manager or a leader, um, you're not going to transition and you're not going to keep moving forward in your career. And so I think that's something that I've seen personally in my career that we have phenomenal technical experts that are some of the smartest people I've ever met, but they don't have that soft skill approach. And so their message gets lost. Yeah. And so when you, when you talk with people about that, what are you advising them to do in terms of, in terms of upskilling themselves, like, uh, what, what resources training, like kind of, if you were to lay out a menu of things you could recommend to people, what would you say they are and where should they pursue them? Well, obviously I I recommend some podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And and that sounds cheesy and it's not a plug because you didn't, you didn't nudge me to say that, but honestly, it, it truly honestly is because I think you could learn a lot from from the leaders, especially the leaders that you have on this podcast and then some other just, you know, other podcasts where you have strong leadership skills that may not necessarily be talking directly about EHS, but mm-hmm. um, of just how to, you know, be a coach, how to be a mentor, how to um, be a salesman. I mean, all of that um, mm-hmm. is those key soft skills. So that's part of it. And I think that that really helps, um, especially kind of reaching some of our um new generation, you know, they, they really gravitate towards the podcast and it's a great resource. Um, there's a lot of other ones that are, you know, really free. I mean, LinkedIn learning has several courses for soft skills that helps Mm -hmm. you. Um, I know my organization, my company, we have different, um, classes based off of, are you a new manager? Are you a supervisor? Are you more seasoned? Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it has nothing to do with our particular field, but I encourage all of them Mm -hmm. to take it, um, because it's a skill set that they need to have. Yeah. HSI, uh, same thing within our organization and the way that we serve our customers. Again, same thing, like courses on how to have difficult conversations. Yes. You know, de-escalation techniques, how to run an effective meeting, you know, like all of those kind of things that we're certainly not taught in our undergrad and graduate schools, though I will say that my grad program did include um, a short lesson on Robert's Rules of Order, um, but that's about it. And I, I don't know if we call that a soft skill. I'd call that business etiquette, you know? Yeah, well, I was also thinking, how did you make that into a short lesson? But sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I learned I learned enough to be dangerous exactly. and know what a quorum means. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I could yeah. spell it. Uh, but no, I mean, I think a lot of it too is that, I, and, I, and I see this, I see it in myself and I see it in, and a lot of um, our EHS professionals is that because we are such a rule following, you know, field, you know, yeah. you have your rules, we have to follow them. Um, in order to be an effective communicator, we have to be able to communicate and inspire people to do the correct thing. And it's hard to do that when we're doing crime and punishment safety. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, what I mean by that is that, you know, we see somebody who does something and we completely say, you know, you did it wrong. You're in trouble. That doesn't 
move the needle anywhere. Um, so we, we have to be able to develop those soft skills that, you know, says, Hey, you know, so see that there was a mistake. How can we support you in ensuring that this doesn't happen again? You know, can we change a policy? Can we change a procedure? Can we offer a class or a simple like, Hey, did you even know that this is, this is not the preferred behavior? You know, let's, let's show you the right way to do something. And, and those are, that's key communication. You can have it on paper. You can have computer-based training all day long, but you have to have somebody that can inspire someone to do the behavior that you want them to do. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite, um, books, if I'm going to shout out a leadership book is, um, Brene Brown's dare to lead book. I love that book. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. Tell me, yeah, tell me which pieces stand out to you. I mean, there's things that I've just adopted and do based on that book because there's there certain pieces that she teaches are so formulaic. Yeah, no, um, God, we it's funny that you bring that up because we just chose that from um, uh, one of our leadership books. It was last year, and we had a a huge conversation, which is really funny because when you get a whole bunch of senior leaderships from different backgrounds in there and you start talking about dare to lead um and everything and it was just it cracks me up thinking about that so sorry left <laughs> turn there um ramble a bit uh-huh. um no i think her her bit with what she really done it was just really kind of accepting um where you are and i can't remember now um exactly what chapter it was but she was talking about you know, the principles of leadership and, and how to kind of maintain where you are. And I remember this from our discussion that we had in that work session, um, is to kind of stick to where you are, but able to deliver it in a manner that still kind of goes with a a more, oh gosh, now I mean, mine's kind of like, um, not compliant, but yeah. Was it the, was it, um, she's got a piece, I think about, um, the color, the context, when you're facing a situation, the commentary, it, it was like four or three C's or something in order to, gosh, okay, everybody, you're just going to have to go get this book. Yeah. Um, well, it was, but it was something about, I mean, it's like taking, yeah, taking responsibility, but it's the potential, um, you know, something about like st- staying true to your core, but then also, um, and taking that responsibility, uh, yes. but then also kind of seeing, you know, what the process is for, for people in the development aspect of it. So it was like every, even the conflicts were opportunities for you to grow and everybody else around you to grow from a leadership standpoint. Yeah. I remember what you're, I know what you're talking about that book. One of the exercises in that book, um, has, has individuals determine what their core value is Mm -hmm. and then how that core value in your life um, can be the piece that you hold onto that directs and informs how and why you make decisions. And so you're essentially looking at like all of these words. Do you remember, do you remember this in the book, um, Elizabeth, there are like all of these words and you're like, there's directions on whittling down, whittling down, whittling down mm-hmm. until you get to your core value. Yes. And for me, the word is dignity. Okay. And that's how mm-hmm. I approach my work. Yeah, no, I, I think that that, I think what we're talking, if I remember, God, because I'm ancient, um, I feel yeah. like I'm ancient anyway. Um, the, one of the things that stuck out about with me, with her book is that it really also relates back into really kind of the human performance mindset. Yes. Um, with, with EHS. And that was one of the things that I, we pushed out again, we were over this, maybe it was 
about a year ago, we pushed this out. And I also pushed this back to some of my leaders and on my team and kind of went and said, Hey, you know, we're talking about human performance and we're talking about, you know, getting down into the weeds, you know, to understand why people made the decisions that they made that resulted yeah. in what we resulted. Um, and so some of this, the aspects in, in her book about, you know, looking at those opportunities, whether it's a positive conflict or a negative conflict, but really to determine, you know, what it was that, you know, we can learn from it from either the person yeah. you're dealing with or the person internal. Um, anyway, I just thought it was a great connection that it was a non-human performance book, but it was really kind of adapting a lot of the human performance. It really, it, it really did. Yeah, yeah, it really did. And, and she's got a, she's got a, a mantra called clear is kind. Mm -hmm. And so when you're redirecting someone or, or you're just maybe, maybe you have to say no to something. Yes. You know, like it's not making like, oh, well, I'd like to say, yeah, you know, blah, blah, no, clear is kind, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, which is, is funny. I mean, that when you start talking about manager skills, you know, yeah. with it and that direct, you know, you can be direct, but you can be cruel. You can be direct and you can be, you know, um, yes. kind about it. And yes. That is, I think, a, a skill that just about every EHS person really should, yeah. should master because yeah. we continually have those conversations. Yep. Um, you know, whether you're talking about senior leadership or you're talking to the, to the person who just started, you yeah. know, um, we, we have to, we can't skirt around our, our policies and procedures, you know, but at the same time, we don't necessarily have to be you know, but again, crime and punishment safety. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Elizabeth, in the terms of yeah. skills, what do you think about, you know, we're talking about soft skills. Um, I wouldn't say that writing and the ability to write well is a soft skill, um, but what do you see in terms of the written word, you know, and people and and how that works in our career? And, um, and is that something that you, that you talk with your mentees about as well? I, I do. Um, because my, I take that my teenage self sitting in English class would have been like, it doesn't matter. I can get my point across my adult self, um, having to work through investigations, having to work with legal teams, having to, yeah. Uh, work with government agencies, all of this sort of things, um, really seeing how that that one paragraph that was kind of sloppily written, but maybe the measurements were correct, can have a positive or negative impact on what we're trying to accomplish. Writing skills are critical. Um, they really, they really are, you know, almost a mandatory job function. And everybody comes from diverse backgrounds. Everybody comes from different education levels and that is a okay um but we do we can't skip over um that that key um function be just because it is it's critical for us to be clear and concise and kind and put it in a level where people can understand yeah um and it's really funny because we've got throughout my career i mean I've, I've worked with people who are far more intelligent than i am same far more on so many levels mm -hmm. uh but if they're going to send you an email it's practically a dissertation 
Mm -hmm. um, and it's mm -hmm. written as if I too have a PhD in mm -hmm. whatever you know, mm -hmm. you're talking mm -hmm. about. And I look at it, I'm like, this is great, but I need you, I need you to, to dumb it down <laughs> for me, you know? <laughs> um, and, and not that it has to be so simple, but you have to be respectful about who your audience is. That's right. And, you know, it's not just about language, but it's, it's the level that we do. And it has to be understandable. Yeah. Making, making no assumptions on what your audience may or may not know about the topic you're trying to educate or inform on. Yeah. I mean, we could do some phenomenal training that's got tons of big words and all sorts of stuff, right. but it, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to be impactful. Right. Um, and so the written word is, is critical. And then I tell everybody, you know, on my team, I said, if it is attached to the company, the company owns it. Mm -hmm. And that means that the company can call upon it at any time. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. how, that's how the company is going to see you. Yeah. So if you're full of emojis and, and I'm an emoji person, I will put a smiley face on an email in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but if you're communicating, you know, like it's a text message, um, you know, then just yeah. know that that may be called into court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an extension of the brand and you're absolutely, mm -hmm. that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I think my hardest writing lesson going from government sector to private sector was, well, one of the hardest lessons was with the written word. Mm -hmm. You know, going from being able to write um, documentation that would stand up in, in court and that mm -hmm. would support a citation and yep. would make the attorneys generals that I worked with go, thanks, Jill, you do such a great job with documentation. And you're like, yay, me. Yeah. And then you go into private sector. And my first email I got from a boss was less words, three bullet points, uh -huh. Tell me if we're ahead, behind, or on the curve. Yep. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, so, crap. I know. <laughs> so it's funny that you say that going back to the OSHA standpoint. So my boss um, from OSHA, who I, I love and adore, but he was tough love. Um, you would go on an investigation that could last days, weeks, months, you know, depending on what it was. Yeah. You would spend days, weeks, not quite months. You had, you did have that. Um, you did have a time frame. Yeah. <laughs> you did have a time frame. <laughs> Under long, 30 days. Yeah. yeah. We'll just say long hours, yeah. um, long hours, putting your heart and soul into this investigation. I mean, we talked about it before, you know, make sure that every, I mean, down to the, you know, millimeter of inches and all of your facts are it, and you're clicking all the boxes and it's just, you know, cause you're writing this with the mind frame that this is going to go to court and you're going to have to testify it. And all the details have to be in there, even though every case never did all of that. Yes. And you turn it in and we would turn it him to him to review it. And you would put it in a folder, nil folder on his desk. And he would just look at you and go, I'll review it, get it back to you. And you're like, okay. The next morning you would walk in and you would open up that folder. And I swear it was like a chainsaw massacre. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, he would have a red pen and he always did it in red because you had yeah. to print it all out. Yeah. Yes. So um, all of my, all of my environmentalists, I apologize. We would have to print it all out. Yes. Put it in a folder mm -hmm. and, open it up, and they were just, 
you know, at the beginning of my career, you know, it'd be these little lines out of these sentences and maybe a question on the side, like add this or no, don't word it that way and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And, and so, the, you know, it's because like, okay, he's teaching, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to get the hang of it. I learned real quickly that there was never going to be a report that went through him without some red on it somewhere or another. Yeah. And as my career progressed, I would get these reports back and it would just be like a, two paragraphs just circled. And on the side of it, it would have WTF. <laughs> and so I'm having to go back and read, reread these two paragraphs, trying to figure out what was what, it? Yeah. What, what portion of this? You know, <laughs> all of it? Is it one sentence? You know, this stuff. And so I'm racking my brain. And, um, and it used to drive me in same yeah but again going back to the written word it really really taught me you know what is important what is not important what is just noise yeah. that doesn't get it what what's critical yeah um and then yeah coming back into the private sector you know yeah what's our bullet points what's our kpis are we on target that's right yeah so that's right yeah yeah hmm this is wonderful, Elizabeth. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. As we as we start to close out our time today, um, yeah, are there are there thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, um, I, I think really, you know, one, I just want to say thank you for inviting me on here to to talk to you. I, I absolutely am just I'm on cloud nine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but then, too, one of the things I love so much about your podcast in particular, and I kind of talked about this in the beginning, is realizing this is our community of, of peers and mm -hmm. good days, bad days, we've all had them, but it's such, it's such a refresher and really, really encouraging for me that we, we continue to, to come together as a peer group and um, support each other through, through the good days, through the bad days, through the lessons learned. Because again, I am not the smartest person in the room and never want to be, mm -hmm. um, because I want to be able to continue to learn and, um, from everyone else. And so I just, um, take a moment to look, to see what you're leaving behind. I guess that's cause I'm, I'm in that transition phase of, of, you know, my, my years that I'm going to be left working is a lot shorter than what's the years that I've been in working so far. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what are, what are we leaving behind? What are we what are we leaving for the next generation? And I think if we continue to focus on that, I think we're going to be setting this next group up um, pretty good. Mm, beautiful. Well said. Thank you so much. And it's been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for spending your time today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution toward the common good. May your employees and those we influence know that our profession... Our profession cares deeply about human well-being, which is at the core of our practice. If you aren't subscribed and want to hear past and future episodes, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player you'd like. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review us on iTunes. It really helps us connect the show with more and more safety and health professionals like em Elizabeth and I. Special thanks to Emily. That's the next E I'm talking about. Special thanks to Emily Gould, our podcast producer. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>